When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In a week when Cristiano Ronaldo's brace in a 4-1 win for Juve moved him up into second place in the all-time competitive football goal-scoring stakes and just one behind the all-time leader, Albion themselves caught the goal-scoring bug with three, well, onion baggers, you could call them, to preserve a point and keep the wolves from the door. An improved performance overall was, however, marked by the fact that the team still sit dangerously close to the trapdoor as we move towards the halfway mark of the season, if indeed there is to be a whole one of those. At least we have a nice, easy away day to add to our decent record on the road when we travel to the Etihad. Uh, when does that uh, curtailment that we um, ordered arrive, Peter, do you know? Yes, I do have with me sitting squeaky bums in the chair on the other side of Zoom Worlds to me, Mr. Peter Marsh. Hello again, Peter. How are you doing? Hey, Russ. Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, off the back of a more positive performance of the weekend, I thought, overall, still not a win, but a three-all draw, which ultimately in the end proved to be pretty decent. Um, I'm not not uh, too uncomfortable with that overall, although things are obviously still on a precipice at the moment. Um, I also should mention, Peter, you are drinking for two, aren't you? Um, you're not pregnant and doing something really irresponsible. You are just drinking beer, while I, on the other hand, have pledged to do no such thing or any other kind of alcohol until we next win a game. So that's me teetotal for 2021. Um, in, in other news... Um, you might have a chance well, with your away games, to be fair. Yeah, to be, to be honest, our away record isn't too bad. Um, it's it's the home the, ones you might struggle with. Yeah, and, and chatting on the Zoom Terrace this week when we were just watching the game, um, a few of us, um, I did make the note that um, I, I actually fancy us to get something from City. It's the only one of the big six we haven't got anything <laughs> against. We are better away from home. Um, there is the slight snag that they are looking on fire suddenly, just in time to play us. Um, I'm beginning to think my prediction of City winning the league at the start of the season may actually be correct. Yeah, it's starting they to actually look like only it. will be one point behind United and Liverpool if they win their game in hand. Yeah. Um, Yesterday, I watched I watched the game in my well, most of the game with my Chelsea supporting mate, and they just destroyed Chelsea. After a pretty mm. slow fifteen minutes, they they walked through, and frankly, they should have won by more than three one if they'd if they'd really kind of really committed yeah. to it. Yeah, it's ominous signs. The only flip side to that is they have got games to play in addition to to those that we have. Yeah. So looking I at the eleven they could have played that didn't play yesterday, so. <laughs> yeah. it's but nothing they, to pretty, relax about. Their, their squad rotation will probably beat our, uh, and I, I wonder if we might rotate the squad a little bit for that game as well. With Leeds not playing that midweek, I wonder if we might also do a bit of squad rotation ourselves, especially maybe taking Dunkey out of the line because um, he's got four bookings, and I think and. Yeah, but the good news yeah. is that seemingly with Leeds not playing, that Calvin Phillips misses our game against them. Yeah, is that is that right? Because yeah, it's been, I've, I've got... seen various Leeds articles on on that as well. So I, yeah. I kind of dismissed the fact he got his fifth booking, assuming they were playing when we were playing City. But because they're not playing until until the next midweek, there's some split oh, yeah. game. They um, he misses the game against us, which is a, actually a huge bonus because oh, that's a, really good. He was all player for them. He, he absolutely is. I really rate him. I think 
I could see him going to somewhere like Liverpool. It, yeah, they really struggled later. when he was out for about four or five yeah. games there in the season. So, yeah. hopefully I we think, can take advantage of that. Yeah, he's probably, probably what like. Liverpool need. He might even go to Liverpool before we play him anyway. Who knows? Um, or somewhere like that. But, yeah, I mean, he's a really, really good player and he was pivotal to their promotion as well, wasn't he? So, yeah, if so he I is did. indeed out. So, that kind of a little bit balances out the fact that they'll be fresh from from not having... Yeah. But why leave it on on a high note, Peter, when I can drag it back down with another gloom, a bit of gloom mongery? I've decided to uh, return us to the Brighton and Hove Albion book on this day by Dan Tester. His entry for what was Saturday, the 4th of January, the day we're recording this is, of course, Monday the 4th. Um, His for Saturday, January the 4th, 1975 reads... After dispatching Aldershot and Brentford at the Goldstone ground in the opening two rounds, Albion were at home again in the third round, this time against non-league Leatherhead. Peter Taylor's men were beaten by Chris Kelly, that's the Leatherhead lip, um, strike. The only goal of the um, contest secured a fourth round trip for Leatherhead to Leicester City's then ground, Filbert Street. Um, Joy, so maybe we get um, a giant killing (laughs) Inflicted on us in the cup, which is of course um, this coming weekend. We may also have a postponement, given their uh, they were frozen last weekend, that or recently the last game, their game, yeah. and uh, the weather's not supposed to be that warm. I don't think at the weekend, and it's uh, Newport's ground is not great, given their rugby games as well. Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean Newport aren't certainly are not uh, a non-league side either, and um, although they have been in those divisions in the past, um, but yeah, they, they have a very good team. recent record there for cup upsets. Yeah. Yeah, and of course they've they... with Spurs. They've beaten Leeds. They've beaten Leicester. I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think we've probably got we're helped out by the fact they've got no crowd there because it's quite a quite tight ground. I think, and um, yeah. and I think we'll go into more detail in a preview later in a week on this. But yeah, yeah, I think we've got more hope, more chance without anyone there watching, as have mm. all league clubs or bigger clubs going to to non league or smaller clubs this weekend. That there's less chance for an upside, say, behind closed doors. Yeah, but someone's probably still going to get upset, and it could easily be after we play out. Well, yeah. probably do play our backup team. We've we've mentioned it before, of course, but we have got this thing of the strength and depth all quite samey standard, which is both a, a curse and a blessing in some respects. It's probably a blessing more when it comes to that game mm. coming at the weekend, where we we can field a team from what we consider more or less the reserves and still have a decent side out um, of, of a similar general standard to what we normally do. Um, whether that's going to be enough to overcome a, a team flying high um, overall in their division, we'll, we'll wait and see. We won't talk too much more about that as we will do a separate po- podcast on that. And in fact, we hope to have our friend Spencer Vignus back for that one. In fact, he's uh, agreed to come on subject to any dramatic changes. So uh, we have, a, have a busy week planned, in fact, don't we? We have, yeah. Do you want to explain this, Peter? We've, we are, we are currently on, this is show 97, 1998, didn't we say? 98, yeah. 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 So uh, the plan is, given we started about a year ago, is to try and hit 100 within the year when the, so the first podcast was, was put out on uh, Spotify on the, the 10th of January. So given yeah. we've got so close, we thought we might as well go for it this week and uh, produce three different podcasts. So we have uh, today, which is 98, and then hopefully we're also going to be joined by potentially a, a special a special guest this week to do a mm. kind of a, to do a show and also to be joined by Spencer for the Newport preview so yeah, yeah. it's uh and that, that one last year we've never done a podcast before and then uh, a year later <laughs> yeah who would have predicted that this time last year <laughs> exactly it's probably the yeah. biggest I mean, news of the last year in fact 
Yeah, it's a bit of a vanity project to the, these extra ones, just just because of uh, the numbers. But I just thought, wow, we got so close to that round number, we might as well sod it. We might as well go for it. Don't be um, left ninety nine not out, do we? At the end, <laughs> exactly. And I mean, th- this time last year, we were just saying off air that um, the fourth of Jan, we've just mentioned cup matches. I think the fourth of Jan last year, because the Libya was was actually um, a Saturday when we um, had played Sheffield Wednesday and lost at home in the cup. So another miserable cup uh, game that was. And it was in the in the aftermath of that that we were wallowing in pity when we met up. I think we recorded it. We, we reckon we recorded it on the 6th, but didn't get it out to the 10th. So to have our 100th episode anywhere in between those dates would, would effectively be the anniversary episode as well. That's the, that's the general idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the other on this day, by the way, from Dan Tester's book, uh, for, for reference, um, said Second Division Albion hosted Southern Premier Division Crawley Town um, in an all-Sussex FA Cup third-round tie. This is in 1992. Do you remember this one? I, I have a story from this game. Right. Well, take take it up from there. We don't I, need I Dan Tester. I was the mascot for that game. You were the mascot? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Brilliant. I didn't know you did that. No, I, yeah, I was, I, you know, kind of the junior seagulls in those days they used to kind of um, do a, a draw for who was mascot for each game. And so I got randomly selected for the, yeah, it was like, it was like a massive, it's the biggest crowd I think I was at, at the Goldstone ever, because a lot of it was shut off a lot of my time watching from 1990. Um, so I think it's pretty much the, the the whole Goldstone was open at that point, about 18,000, something like that. And we yeah. won 5-0. And yeah, I was mascot on that day. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that on that occasion, then I've, I've got to ask you. I said we weren't going to do too many quizzes, but I've got to ask you: Do you remember who scored the goals? Uh, I would have thought that. I'm trying to think back again, um, I have a feeling like Ian Chapman might have got one. Is that wrong? Um, you're right? on. You're on the right tracks. He did score, yeah. but um, he may have got more than one. You get two. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm trying to think back to it, was, it would have been a season of Mark Gall and. Um, and Raphael Mead, and that's what it did. Gore get, yeah, that's yeah. That a little more likely. And maybe like, like did, Clive actually. Walker or Codner or something like that. There was, yeah, I don't Good remember. Word, Peter. Good I word, remember the fact it. that it was definitely 5 0, and uh, yeah, the biggest win I, I pretty much saw in my life first up 10 years watching Albion, to be honest. Yeah, I think record. I can't actually remember. I think I was in that game. I'm pretty sure I was. But, um, but yeah, it was it was a brace from Chapman. The other goals were indeed from Mark Gall, Raphael Mead, and Clive Walker. So wow, that's a pretty, pretty spot good. on. I mean, you only you only mentioned one other name apart from all the right answers. So, that, in, in, and that was the last one you mentioned. So you got it right straight away. I'll give it top <laughs> no top points. Top points. Well, for that, that was, one. I didn't know. I, I'd forgotten the date was the fourth of January, but uh... yeah. Yeah, so I went along to my, we had like six tickets and so I went with my parents and my dad's mates who we go with, with and my mate from school and we yeah, got kind of yeah, really well really well treated by the Albion. It was a fantastic day. Mm. I'd only been watching yeah. for about a year then, year and a half. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. And a big crowd just because you were there, of course. Yeah, obviously, yeah. yeah. It wasn't, you know, the fact that it was a local derby or a huge game for Crawley and that's probably they probably won the not many times they got to the third round at that stage. Because they mm. were obviously quite a yeah. They weren't anywhere near where they are now at that point. So, yeah, I've never I've never been a mascot actually. Um, I've, I've got to say I can't particularly remember ever wanting to do it as a kid, especially. But um, I, I was just I, you know, I think it was just a thing. I was like junior seagull. You kind of got into yeah. a floor and oh, and I so I was, I was picked out. And it was when we were so I, it was when we were wearing the Tesco kit. So I got a free Tesco <laughs> kit and we had the shorts and the stripes. Oh the no! And the, uh, the shirt. Uh, 
Worst kit ever, surely. It has to be. I don't know. The horrendous. Pink uh, diagonal striped away shirt that we wore when I first started watching must be the, I think, probably the worst thing I've, I've ever seen. This is too tragic. We've got to change the subject. Well, well, what we're going to do with the rest of this first half of the pod is to go also, through some I'd of the... I'd say that I'm available to be mascot again this season if I'll be want to win 5 nil at home again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well... If it means Who I can get it? into the game as a kind of like, you know, into the bubble of the game, I can uh, and watch it. <laughs> somebody did. Sacrifice myself. Somebody got put in as a mascot, as an adult, didn't they? For like a sort of yeah, 40 year old bloke or something. Thing, wasn't it? Or yeah, something. yeah. Oh, yeah. Which club was that? that? I can't remember. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, that was quite funny. But um, no, I mean, the rest of the first half, what we're going to do is talk through some of the general football news and we're going to get into the review of the Wolves game because there's quite a bit to talk about uh, in the second half. Um, so just going on to bits of news, there's been quite a bit actually breaking today. Um, overall, there's, well, there's certainly the looming possibility, I would probably say probability of, of another lockdown. Scotland have announced they're going into one overnight um, at midnight tonight. Things aren't looking good. The figures are pretty bad. They've been post 50,000, haven't they? The figures for the UK, I think, in each of the last five or six days um, of, of main figure releases. And not looking good in general. There's been a lot more postponements again, hasn't there, up and down the land, football-wise in particular. So lots of things to kind of worry about on that score. I think the general consensus, as we were talking about on a previous pod, is that it would probably take about two-thirds of the season to elapse before um, the figures would stand as they are. More likely, it would be a curtailment um, if we did have to finish completely beforehand. Um exactly where we sit we don't really know it's too early to say but I don't um, think there being a, an end of the season at the moment I no, think, be, I I think things will improve enough, significantly enough in spring to to allow the season to finish it's a matter of how many games there are after to be played if we did have a have a what's whatever you know kind of a stop for a while it's yeah you know it's it, more likely if, if everyone's playing three games a week is it really a fair competition when you've got like mm-hmm. Man City with a 22-man squad who could probably get into most, all of whom who could get into most teams as compared to, you know, Brighton yeah. who, you know, well, maybe we actually we're not a good example, but some teams who maybe only about 15 players who are much, who are like first team material. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I see the same thing. I think if anything, there might be um, a circuit breaker, um, maybe an extended period of some sort, a circuit breaker if necessary, they might put back the Euros again. Um, if it's if it's causing a problem on a wider scale, who knows? But my thought is they probably I think they'll be almost desperate to carry on as they are hmm. if they can to try and keep people's well. I say I say that not alone for Albion because obviously watching Albion doesn't keep your spirits up at the moment, but generally to keep people's spirits up and have Premier League football available on TV is probably quite a big thing. I can see yeah. a lower league, maybe kind of like League One, League Two curtailment, but maybe not Premier League and hmm. Championship possibly. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, in other news, we'll, we'll get on to the Albion itself later on. But one one uh, mention related to the Albion, I was listening to a podcast. Um, I think it was uh, Football Daily, actually. It might have been Five Lives thing, so it's probably from last night's broadcast. But um, it was um, talking about um, Graham Potter, apparently a post-match tweet. I didn't realise he was on Twitter. I thought he wasn't, but no, who knows. Anyway, apparently defending his record. Um, if you're going by the record and the stats, actually, it doesn't make brilliant reading, to be honest. Um, not quite sure what that was all about. I didn't get a chance to look into you that. Any the official Twitter account, or was it like? Uh... That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, because I mean, I looked, I looked on there, and there was nothing obvious a while ago. I, I can't say I've been obsessively <laughs> trying to uh, trying to track it down because if it wasn't particularly obvious, I'm assuming anything else is either more subliminally hidden or or just not yeah. a real account. 
But um, and actually, Graham, if you're listening, if you fancy coming on the show and uh, defending your record here, we'd be very happy <laughs> to listen to you. Yes, come on, Graham, come on. Um, you know, you want to. I know you're an avid listener. Yeah, I mean, what, what they were saying actually in followers to their to their comments about it was that um, Potter's a guy who they think generally, obviously they're talking outside of the Brighton fan base, um, isn't a manager who seems to be coming in for any ostensible criticism in terms of there doesn't seem to be the peril of the sack looming as far as anybody in the wider world is concerned, which is interesting because it's a, it's a subject, I, I agree, I don't think it's happening anytime soon, but I think it's a subject that I'm a little surprised hasn't been posed sooner by some uh, forms of the media, but they, they seem to be still having a bit of a love-in with him. Um, certainly, as Kevin Day alluded to, everything to do with the Albion seems to be, oh, it's great, it's great. Um, but it's, to me, I, I don't know, it, it, he has gone under the radar, I guess, a little bit when you look at the results. Um, the interesting thing is that Frank Lampard um, this week has started to come into focus as well, given Chelsea's record of not really tolerating underachievement for very long at all. He's slipping into that category now, especially given his signings in the summer and a poor performance by all accounts of the weekend. I haven't seen the highlights yet, actually, of that game. But, um, yeah, he he seems to be winning the sack race, shall we say, um, as it were, between the two. Um, I don't know if you've got any comments on that, but in, in terms of the sack race as a whole, we should also mention two people that have definitely gone past the, the finishing line today. Joey Barton um, has departed Fleetwood um, with immediate effect spurring a, um, a pun fest on my WhatsApp group, or one of them, um, as you may have seen. And um, John Askey, apparently, has also gone from Port Vale, who were doing quite well earlier in this season, if I recall, and that seems to have gone tits up suddenly. So I don't know quite what's yeah, happening either. Weekend, but they, they haven't won in about 10 or so like that, but then won at the weekend. So it's mm. a bit of a weird timing that, to give him yeah. the and then dismiss him after winning at the weekend. Yeah. Keeping on a, a sack theme um, as well, just just going back to one uh, thing we mentioned before, Tony Pulis oh, leaving no, Sheffield Wednesday. Sorry, the weekend. Sorry, they lost four 0 at the weekend. That's why I misread what they were saying. That's probably why he's got sacked then. All oh, right, okay, yeah. I was going to say Tony Pulis, of course, had a win and a draw leading up to his sacking. It does transpire, as we've since discovered, that there's a lot more to it. I think um, essentially, it sounds like due diligence wasn't really done by either party because Pulis needed. He can do a job very well. I don't like his football. I like the guy. I don't like the man's football. Um, but his brand of football needs certain types. It's not always obvious signings, but the people he needs to do the job, he knows what he's doing. And if you give him the tools, he will deliver. And it appears that those tools are not available in the toolkit. Um, whether promises have been broken or not, I don't know. It sounds like Pulis was not happy with the lack of fulfillment on promises or the lack of opportunity at least in the transfer window coming up and there's some kind of falling out in general so that seems to be more to do with what it was about as much as the poor start and slightly better finish to his time there but um anyway any more on the sacking front peter we seem to be a lot it's the usual time of year isn't it yeah it is it's kind of like this yeah a with the transfer window coming and b getting towards as it is or normally at the halfway stage People are starting to think, well, you know, maybe people won't turn it around. Maybe so-and-so won't quite, you know, compete, whatever, won't do it. Or alternatively, they've already sat their manager the season and have worked out the other person wasn't any better in the first place. So why we'll get rid of him as well? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the the thing is, of course, it's affordability, isn't it, given the current times we're in. Um, Interestingly, probably less of of that is is the case in the Premier League, I guess, compared with the AFL. But in the uh, Premier League, did you know only two managers apparently were sacked 
in 2020. Um, one of them being Nigel Pearson at Watford and the other, of course, being Slavan Bilic right near the end of the season for West Brom. That's according to a quote I heard again on another podcast. So if that's incorrect, don't blame me. Blame whoever that was. <laughs> um, I, mean, but, yeah, I, I can't think of anyone else. So, yeah, I mm, mean, interesting. It's, it's Premier League yeah. was the worst of all of them, really. But Yeah. Um, and obviously, if Watford was still in the Premier League, it would have been about five. Um, but... Uh, Given they're not anymore. Um, yeah, that's an interesting. I mean, it is a sign of the times, isn't it? I think a little bit with that. But yeah. Um, one other thing on the 2020, we, we were doing reflections in our last episode on the year in view. Um, one thing I felt we neglected to do was to moan enough about political matters. We're not ostensibly a political podcast by any means, but the sheer level of humiliating embarrassment uh, bestowed upon the world, both sides of the Atlantic uh, to start with, has to be worthy of another mention, I think, before we move on with this new year. Um, Donald Trump, obviously, is, is just uh, it's just so horrendous. It must be a bad dream we're all having when it comes to him. It, his time finally coming up. Apparently, the most recent thing was that he was trying to harass and bully the Georgian official into acknowledging that there was uh, shenanigans going on in relation yeah, to the Yeah, he wasn't find me 11,500 votes or something. He yeah. up to that, or... And the description was it was a man who was clearly not not right in the head. He'd, he'd lost his lost his head somewhere. Which, uh, as well, which is uh, yeah. Amusing. But final reflections on 2020 of this side of the Atlantic. Um, we do have to make note of Dominic Cummings, who thankfully finally uh, departed his job, and we, we've, we're obviously very teary eyed about that for all of the all of the wonderful things he's done for the country. Uh, <laughs> Absolute yeah. disgrace of a man. Apparently, a bit of a bully. Like, Sorry, talk about the comings and goings. Can we now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no, there's no need for you to join in with the puns. Gonna say, Pete, please have some dignity, man. <laughs> My only purpose. Yeah, yeah. But I say we we are obviously shedding a tear over his loss. Someone else shedding tears reportedly was Matt Hancock, although I couldn't quite work that out when I was looking at him on screen. I mean, I, as I mentioned before, I'm a massive film fan. Um, I think anybody who isn't a massive film fan could see just as well as I could, though, um, good acting and bad acting. And Matt, you're in the latter category. Um, you, you can add that to your list of reprehensible qualities. I would say um, don't so, give up well, the day job, but I hope he would. I hope he would. Today. <laughs> yeah, please give up the day job. <laughs> and the night job, all other jobs, basically, just uh, give up. <laughs> yeah, give it's up a, it's a, or something. Yeah, there's, there's got to be a word instead of gallery of rogues to describe this lot. Obviously, you've got Bojo as well, the most incompetent prime minister that I can remember in my lifetime. Gavin uh, Williamson, who's uh, who's uh, about as useless as possible for education in terms of uh, yeah, yeah. He started he basically kind of like, attacked our my my local council, Greenwich, which is funny enough, Labour council tried to shut schools, but primary schools a few days early before Christmas, and he threatened to take them to court if they did that. And now he and, and a few days ago he, he listed a, a group some boroughs who were going to be shutting their primary schools for two weeks after Christmas and some wouldn't. And funny enough, Greenwich was on the list who would have to stay open after Christmas, start opening after Christmas. And now he's back down. But basically, it's a sign of this government who seem to play like kind of you know their own personal kind of like grievances against against places or anti or political views against actual public safety. Yeah. It's a disgrace, isn't it? You've got Dominic Raab. You've got what's the guy, the transport guy? He, another one is is um, 
Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Shash, begins with S, doesn't it? Can't remember now. But uh, yeah, an absolute um, shambolic mess, really. Yeah. And Shaps, isn't it? Or is he Shaps? That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, of, something of course, like Pretty Patel, who is probably the most obnoxious person in the government of all of them. <laughs> no, no, no comment, really. Uh, and then, of course, they you've got France the vampire France, man. Real estate for French transport. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't you... have any of them round. To I wouldn't talk to any of them in the street. They're all pretty awful, basically. Not, not even the vampire himself, Rhys Mogg. <laughs> yeah, and and I say this. I'm just... a big fan of Rhys Mogg, as you can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I mean, joking aside, it, it. I don't think it's a it's a politically motivated point to say, rather than just a general point to say that it's been an absolute shambles. Um, really, I mean, there's it's been difficult times to handle. But I think they've been handled with with an extra dollop of incompetence, really, on top of the um, the, the difficulty involved. The, the big thing to me, for me, and without yeah, without to get too deep into politics, is the whole idea that we're in it together. And the the Dominic Cummings shambles, for starters, showed that it wasn't true. That anyone who'd mm-hmm. lived with the government or who was connected to them could do whatever they wanted, and anyone who anyone else could just say, "No one, they don't care about us," basically. And that that's where I like. Yeah, I I was never I was never a big fan of Boris Johnson as anyone on the WhatsApp group we're on or other things would, would testify to. But, you know, you kind of accept in these sort of situations it's a unique unique issue and there's nothing else you can do about it. But the minute Dominic Cummings got away with what he got away with and kept his job, there was never any kind of coming back from that because it became clear that we weren't in it together. And, it, and, and all the problems we've had since then, I put down to that and to the weak leadership of Johnson in not sacking him. Yeah, I mean, they didn't help themselves, did they? It's ineffectiveness, indecision, um, and... And a lack of conviction in general, which is not helping. True, yeah, they'll probably get loads of tourists now, actually, won't they, off the back of that? Um, even, even at the time, there's probably, ironically, a number of people probably travel there to get amusing pictures when they shouldn't be doing that either, but no, <laughs> nonetheless. A um, couple of other bits to mention on um, general pointers, really. Um, one thing to say in terms of football news um, five subs have been voted for now by the EFL for the concluding stages of the EFL Cup, which is starting with these midweek games uh, tomorrow and Wednesday, and also, of course, for the final. Um, probably a sensible move, I guess. And, uh, yep, so no, nothing more really to say on that one. The Premier League is so out of step with everything else in, in not voting for that. It's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I, don't, I, mean, yeah. I, I think I said it before, but the whole going to nine subs but only allowing three of them is the most ridiculous rule of all time. It's like you either have seven subs and allow three, or you have nine subs and allow five. You don't have nine subs and allow three. That's ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent agree. Um, meant to please everyone, but actually pleases no one. Yeah, that's exactly yes. Yeah. Sometimes compromises are good uh, to resolve um, disputes. Uh, in the end, ultimately, it usually has to be a compromise. When it's something like this, it's the opposite. Compromise just doesn't help. It doesn't solve either side of the problem um which is really frustrating um okay so w- with the rest of this first half just to quickly shout out to a couple of people um thanks to all the listeners as we said before um i've been enjoying quite a bit on twitter this week i'm not, I'm not a massive user of twitter but i'd like to push the account when i can um and i've been noticing um thanks for all the tweets from nick one of the guests of the show who's been helping retweet stuff for us um Thank you also to the Brighton Bard, a shout out to him. I think he's a listener of ours. Um, I've been exchanging couplets with him on Twitter this week. I don't know if you saw that. Um, he was um, he liked our title for the um, the, the Potter episode, uh, Potty Picks in, po- in Potterville, I think it was, that we did. Um, he liked that one, and it spurred a little uh, exchange on there. Um, 
Thanks also to Alan, uh, sorry, Albion Smudge. Um, he tweeted this week saying, lovely spot for a coffee break on the banks of the Ouse, just north of Hamsey. Beautiful day, kept company, presently by Brighton Rock Pod, slaughtering leads. So, Peter, a big up to you there. <laughs> I thought I should do that would be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's not a fan of this government, he'll be enjoying this episode as well. But uh, hello to you, Alan Smudge, and to any of the other listeners. I think um, I should give a shout out to Tony Cooney as well, who's a... Uh, Another regular listener, I think, and he's uh, he, he's quite active on Twitter as well. I've noticed him like a lot of our stuff as well. So thanks to him. Um, but Al- Albion Smudge got quite a few likes, I think, on his own post, which is uh, which is good. Yeah, I mean, I've, we've got friends like Duncan who uh, who regularly listens while on his allotment. Um, it's great to hear. It's it's strange that we are now becoming um, basically defined by by vegetable growing, really. Uh, <laughs> somewhere or other or at least associated with it <laughs> um but thanks again to all the listeners all good. Grow more or less when we're talking <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um but but to any of you guys out there if you can and haven't already done so please do hit the subscribe button it's the best way from our point of view figures wise uh for listening um we'd appreciate that we'd appreciate any more reviews you can throw in our way which is which is all great um, I think Alan Dodd, who we mentioned last week, had, has um, done so for us. So thanks to him. Um, if you can, yeah, hit subscribe, review with five star pod, uh, five star um, markings, and with written reviews. All of that helps the algorithms, and it really, really will be appreciated if you can. Um, even if you write something derogatory, apparently it's not a problem. At least according to uh, <laughs> to other podcasts I've heard, where they've said the same. So on that matter, we thank you all. If you can oblige, that would be great. And we should, at this moment, also while we're doing notices, say that we are, as usual, sponsored by Seagulls Over London. Um, we'll get into the details of the match report in part two, but we did have a post-match chat which you hosted, didn't we, as part of the Seagulls Over London um, agenda. Um, where we were delighted to have Nick Schapanik uh, join us, who, of course, has been a guest on this podcast just a few weeks ago. Um, and he was good value, wasn't he? Interesting. He was really good, some yeah. of the points yeah, he made. And, really interesting um, perspective of someone who actually obviously has to, as part of their work, basically analyses the game rather than, and has to be neutral as well a bit, rather than, uh, yeah. but also yeah. an Albion fan, as compared to like me, who is just blinded by being an Albion fan. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure even though referees have been a lot better from our point of view in recent weeks, there was still something to moan about. For yeah, the weekend, well, we can get we'll on to referee on the... We'll get on to that, yeah. Uh, but, I have a, I have but, a, I'm not, I'm not going to be that complimentary given his one decision that... <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks again to Nick for joining us on the on that post-match yeah, um, Zoom chat. As we call it, the Seagulls Tavern is our online pub. Um, so anybody who, is a, who isn't a member and has connections with London, either living or working, if they do want to join, please um, have a look for details on www.seagullsoverlondon.com, where you can find out information on joining and what the events are and, and what we're all about, basically, uh, as far as that goes. I say we because Peter and I are both on the committee and long-standing members of it. Um, we've got some other exciting guests coming up as well, but uh, stay tuned for that stuff in due course. Um, that pretty much rounds up the first half, Peter, unless you had any other bits of general no, footy news or pretty much it, it? anything to moan about Leeds or are, we gonna, are you going to keep your powder dry on that until Leeds, next time? Leeds have done nothing really the last few days. I'll keep my yeah. powder dry to moan about them before we are pl- our game against them. Yeah, well, that's not long to long to wait, is it, anyway? Yeah. So fair play. OK, well, without further ado, then, we'll break for the half-time interval. In part two, we'll be reviewing the match in all its ups and downs. Um, So that's coming up in just a moment. 
Okay, so part two, where we're going to be reviewing the match in a moment, Peter. Um, before we do, just in following to what we were talking about uh, with listeners, I did have a quick look at um, a um, an email that I, I receive regularly from uh, a company to give information about um, how we're doing and you know who, who's listening and that kind of stuff. Um, a couple of the recent episodes, the what was I think the second part of the Kevin Day episode, a series of happy accidents, we were apparently um, the 64th most listened to soccer podcast, as they call it, in the Philippines that week. So that's that's a good bit of information there. Um, the first part of the episode, they weren't that bothered about. <laughs> no, just, they, I think it's just um, they, they're t- they're t- the timing of when they send these things. Um, the Boxing Day special, the Wet Sham preview, um, apparently we were the 41st most listened to football podcast in Japan. Um, and the and the 11th most listened to podcast in the Philippines. They seem to be obsessed with the Philippines for some reason. Um, so there's there's some positives. Um, I don't know if we've got loads of Albion fans over yeah, there. Big as to all our friends in the Philippines then. <laughs> uh, worldwide superstars. Absolutely bizarre. But anyway, <laughs> if you if there is anyone out there from there, please um yes, have have a wave from us, uh, metaphorically speaking. And if you wanted to come on the show, give us a shout. Um, Next but anyway, time she tells me I'm boring her about football. I can tell her that people in the Philippines really want to listen to me. So, uh, <laughs> indeed. indeed, but um, okay, well, yeah, we're getting to the game then. So, um, first of all, the lineup we had Sanchez in goal again, we had Webster, Dunk, and Byrne in centre back roles with Veltman and um, March as the wider players. Um, we then had White playing in, in defensive mid again. Um, we also have Basuma in and Trossard behind a front two as such of Morpé and Connolly. Um, we did use all three subs, um, probably more sensibly, I think, this time. Um, one or two of them were, in fact, pretty much enforced in one manner or other. We'll get into the details of that in a moment. Um, overall take on the lineup, though, um, first of all, Peter, what did you think? More, more obviously, more logical than, than Arsenal. Um, I was... A bit unimpressed that there were five central defenders in the team. In mm. essence, um, you know, I think Veltman probably, yeah. I mean, there's an argument for why he had all of them in there, but I, I would have probably gone with a well. If proper could have started two games, hindsight says a lot as well. Maybe mm. it's alongside Basuma or tried something different, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, it probably was about right. There wasn't, you know. We don't. I, the problem was with Alzate injured and proper having not played recently and playing again, starting against Arsenal. Could he have played two games in the space of a few days? I'm still not convinced. And I don't think anyone is about the white midfield experiment. And I really hope yeah. the return to form of proper and the arrival of Moda will will ensure that he ends up playing a defender rather than a midfielder. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into more details on it in a minute. But I, I was pleased that proper had another run out and had another good game. I thought, in fact, I, I would argue he's potentially man of the match in the game. Um, I thought he had a really big influence on things. Even he didn't play in the second half, that would help his case in the first half. That would help his case and help a lot, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I mean, there's that one thing before we get into it. Um, we obviously we, we're hoping we've got a, a, a big enough squads to cope with the uh, the schedule as things are. It'll be interesting to see what we do with the with the cup in the next game. Uh, one squad that is a bit thin on the ground is our own. Um, there's only two of us here today. Um, Richard um, sent his apologies for not being able to join, but he did send some observations of his own. So I'll put those in first of all, before we get into our own opinions in more detail. So Richard said, my view on the game for what it's worth, started well and deserved the early lead and good to see Connolly scoring. 
then went into a collective funk for the next half hour. All their goals were avoidable, especially the second and third. Felt sorry for Byrne um, by half time and have even seen expressions of sympathy, sympathy sorry, from Wolves fans. But accentuate the positives. Second half performance was much better and more purposeful. Instant penalty changed the game and we were worthy of at least a point and might have won it, uh, but for the crossbar and brackets, another uh, closed brackets, dodgy decision, uh, which we'll also get onto again in a minute. Um, he did say still grateful that they spurned the sitter right at the end, which, of course, is, uh, is something not to be uh, sniffed at, really. That really could have gone so badly wrong. And that really would have changed the whole mood with it coming away from the game, because ultimately we we found ourselves 3-1 down and looking in a bleak position, um, not notwithstanding a better performance, a better selection, um, generally a more positive outlook in overall, we were 3-1 down and we were looking second best. The Wolves were looking very, very good, weren't they? So if we had have done all that hard work to get back and lost at the end, that would have been a disaster, wouldn't it? But uh, but we didn't, um, thankfully. Um, I mean, first of all, any observations uh, on Richard's observations from you, Peter, before I get into the details of the game? Um, not particularly. No, I, I mean, I kind of agree. But I want to, I will just stress something before... I think generally we need to be positive about this game, and I think generally probably we can be. But it is another game at home against a team who aren't in the top eight or nine or whatever, where we haven't won, and where we, for once, actually attacked quite well, but defended appallingly, where we had five yeah. centre-halves and yet managed to give away two goals from crosses so from like after clearing a corner, where you know we, we then left a guy on mark for the last minute to head over when he should have scored and could easily have scored. You know, and... and in essence, it was. I, I feel sorry for Byrne as well. Actually, I agree with Richard there. Uh, Byrne was left one on one against the quickest winger, arguably in the league. I mean, I think Lamptey's probably one of very few wingers who were players who were quicker than him in Premier League. And he, to be fair, I mean, yes, he shouldn't have dived in for the third goal um, because Dunk was coming across, but he left him, you know, kind of one on one with him. And what do you expect? As he did at Leicester against Leicester as well. There's been a lot of like hard criticism of Byrne, and I think. You know, I think he probably does deserve to be, you know, backup. But he's not the terrible, useless, incompetent footballer that a lot of people on a mm. North Stand chat would have you believe, based on a couple of poor performances against players who he shouldn't have been left one on one against. Yeah, I'd go so along with that. I mean, blame. if he if he takes the credit partly for the, the second half recovery, he also should take the blame for the fact that Byrne was left completely isolated against one of the quickest players in Premier League, and a Byrne yeah. who is six foot seven centre half is never going to be able to compete with Traore. I'd largely agree with that. I mean, I do think overall that um, Graham Potter gets, um, gets, I think, more criticism than he probably deserves. There has been misfortune with things. But I do think this big Achilles heel is Dan Byrne. I think he has done well in the past for us. He has done well in certain games. Um, he hasn't in recent times. And I do think he was left exposed by the positional elements involved in this yeah, game as well as his selection. Three. He didn't do too badly. It was when we moved, we sort of moved over. Yeah, that's right. Left yeah, if he's protecting him and him in a back four at fullback, but really kind of left him isolated. And I mean, Traore yeah. hasn't been in great form this year, but we all know how deadly he is. And he he just had a, a field day, didn't he? Really, until even up to the last minute when he he should have had an assist in the last minute. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I would genuinely say that we could have had anyone at right back at fullback, and he'd have struggled against him. Even Lamptey with his pace might have been chugged off a ball by Traore. He's so big and strong as well, but. Mm. Leaving Dan Byrne against him was not a good idea, as he found yeah. out when he tried to hack him down. I think he got booked at one point. And 
yeah, that's right. He struggled before, hasn't he? I think last season with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think he's not too bad in a back three. Um, and certainly, it was it was a difference in that that period when he was he was put further wide. Um, very frustrating. Um, to talk it through chronologically speaking, very positive at the beginning in terms of the fact that Connolly scored a goal. Um, it was an opportunistic type of goal, I guess you could say. Trossard got um, the first of two assists in the game, didn't he? Um, he was in out on the on the right hand side. Um, had a player defending against him. He slipped over, which I think might have actually somehow benefited because it felt like the defender became very unsure of himself. He looked like he felt like he should commit and didn't quite. Allowed the room to still be there for Trossard to cross it in, which he did with his left foot. And it, it's just, um, well, Connolly stole in ahead of the defender and the goalkeeper. Uh, just got the, stuck his leg out, got a contact on it. Good, solid leg out. Um, comfortable goal. Um, it's one of those goals that was a good goal from our point of view, a bad goal from their point of view, I think you probably would say. But it was great to see him score. That was in the 13th minute of the game. So it was well, an he, early goal. Well, anticipates things. And he does that well. It's when yeah. he has more, like a, a couple of our strikers as well, like Mope as well. It's when they have time to think that the problem comes and they've got to try and take it on. It's when they've got to just like, it's, it's almost kind of like anticipate something and then get a, get a touch on it or poke you know, put it first time. They seem pretty good. Like Mope's goal against Wolves last year when he kind of basically, the ball was, nothing was happening really. And he just hit it and at home. Yeah. And I, and I, as much as I obviously have been quite critical of Graham Potter recently, it is kind of the story of our season that Connolly gets a goal having not scored since Newcastle and then gets bloody injured at half before, you know, just before half time in a nothing incident. You know, yeah. so that kind of sums up the season, really, doesn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, Graham Potts obviously made quite a few decisions in my view that have been wrong, but we have also genuinely at times been unlucky. I don't think that mm. necessarily that the game against Wolves was that generally barring the, the Connolly incident, but. And the, the one decision which could have been different. But other than that, we, it wasn't necessarily an unlucky game for us. I think draw was about right. But we have had games where we've been unlucky for various reasons. And we have had players get injured for various reasons. And we've been unlucky with Lamptey as well. He missed his game again. The last, I think it's four of the last five he's missed now, which is a massive blow for us. We really do miss him. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, three points on there. I mean, first of all, yeah, I do think it was a, it was a classic centre-forwards goal, that one they, that he scored. Um Somebody mentioned on the Zoom chat we were on at the time that it was kind of almost the sort of goal pretty much that Glenn Murray would score as well. It was the typical just to centre forward in the right position. You probably hit Glenn Murray's ass though or his... Or his <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah, but it would have still gone in nonetheless. But yeah, yeah. no, it's a typical centre forward position. He, he sensed where the ball was going to go to. He was in the right position, stuck his leg out, got a good contact on it. It's one of those poachers kind of goal. And that's, as you said, without time to think about it, It's there's no complication and he's, he's good with those. And I think um, it, it was good. It's such The second point I was going to make is it's such a shame, the injury, I agree with you, on the, on the point that um, he had a really good effort. Um, I think it was still 1-0 at the time, wasn't it? I'm trying it to remember. It might have been 1-0 at that point. We certainly weren't losing, yeah. Yeah, it might have been one all at the time. But he had, he had an overhead kick, which was going to be spectacular if it had gone in. They made a good contact on the ball. It was on target, wasn't it? But it was saved. Um, I did wonder watching a replay whether VAR might have had a, a look at it because whether his like arm was offside in a in a Patrick Bamford sort of way or something I don't know it it oh, was right. they didn't look at it in detail because obviously it didn't need to but it would have been a pretty pretty harsh to to uh, you know court to cancel it out of it for that but I did wonder at the time if if it had gone in whether they might have looked at it 
might have been one of those yeah. where they did inch by inch and kind of like yeah, given our season, that's exactly what would have happened, isn't it? You know, a spectacular goal to go ahead against Wolves, what we at the time might then think is going to be a winner, and then it gets chalked off. So not only does do we get that, but Connolly misses out on goal of the season. Yeah, <laughs> I think they should still yeah, allow them again. Yeah, completely instinctive, completely kind of like yeah. you know, no pressure there. There's no You know, it's not like a one-on-one like at Liverpool or whatever. You know, it's it's completely no pressure. There's no expectation that you're going to do anything. You know, you get it in, you're a genius. If you don't get it anywhere, you're just like, you're just a normal footballer. Yeah. So my, my second point was about, yes, I agree. It's such a shame about the injury. And the third point was really just to emphasise the fact that it's such a shame because he was playing with, with confidence. He looked so much more confident in that game, didn't he? Which, uh, which made it all the more galling that he came off with what looks like a hammy. I didn't check the news on that, actually. Yeah, but Graham Potter's confirmed it's at least two weeks out, I think, but it's done a bit of Yeah, more. yeah. Yeah, such a shame. Well, do you think there should be a campaign to to allow spectacularly scored disallowed goals to be included in the goal of the season? Because the technique is none the, is no less good, is it, for it being chalked off? <laughs> also, more things to campaign on at the moment. The starters will be a one. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of offsides, marginal offsides, I noticed that somebody's mentioning um, Aston Villa have got extensions to their sleeves to try and get round the um, the offside rule on the... Uh, just, it's ridiculous, isn't it? A stupid rule anyway, but um, I don't know if there's any truth in that. I haven't looked, but uh, <laughs> crazy stuff, isn't it? Anyway, we yeah, Connolly scored on 13 minutes with that first goal then. Um, Saiz got the equaliser on 19, which was disappointing um, because we for once we'd started well and scored early, to then get hit back fairly soon after with, with an equaliser is disappointing in its own right. And, and from a defensive point of view, you've already alluded to it, but a disappointing goal to concede from our side. I have to turn, also say a little bit, we were, we were a bit unlucky with that goal. Samido was pretty lucky to get, he basically hit him and it bounced perfectly for him. And mm. then also Saiz was a brilliant header. I mean, that, that was a, he was going backwards to get to head the ball and he headed it perfectly positioned. I mean, yes, White should have followed him. Yes. I think there is, there are kind of stipulating circumstances with that one. I mean, I do feel, yes, it's frustrating having with all those head to halves in there, but Saiz, was a, it was a, you've got to give credit sometimes. That was a fantastic header to was, go backwards, yeah. as he did, from almost on the goal line, not far off the goal line, to head it back across the way, that, you know, kind of the, across Sanchez to leave him wrong-footed and put it right in the corner the other side was a brilliant header. And what's his face? with Westergaard, the guy at Saints, uh, scored a good header yeah. as well. Maybe, maybe we'll have a top 10 goal scored against us with heads by opposition competition at the end of the season yeah, as well. competition for it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, it was a good goal. Again, from a, from a striking point of view. They, they were slightly fortunate with the way it bounced for Semedo. Mm. That was the other thing as well. Yeah. He and they were certainly... He, and he, he, the ball kind of, like bat, he kind of hit him and bounced off him and went forward and completely run for the burn. And it yeah. was, yeah, slightly... yeah. Um, well, well, you mentioned burn and you mentioned misfortune. I think we can safely say there was a lot more at play in the second goal, which put Wolves in front. 34 minutes. I mean, I thought he was looking unsure of himself. He was having a couple of poor defensive defensive headers that just went to nowhere when they could have been guided more carefully. Yeah, or more. the corner, obviously, for the second goal was was a, was another one yeah. of those. Yeah, and he, he I'm not quite sure what he was doing, and I don't think he did was the problem. Um, Anyway, he conceded a corner pretty sloppily, where he may not should not have done really. Um, the corner came in, and if you look at what happened, the shots um, that transpired took a slight deflection. 
Um, Robert Sanchez then makes what I think was still a pretty good save because of that deflection. Interesting. He, I think he should have done better with it. Well, oh. I mean, the thing is, he didn't have time to do much with it. And what he, what he did do, is, as all goalkeepers are told, is to pad it out with some tra- trajectory to try and get it away. I think the problem he had, and this is probably where our disagreement's going to come in, is, is about the angle of what he did with it. I mean, yeah, you, you, I'm not totally convinced the deflection made a huge difference. It wasn't like it completely changed the direction. Mm-hmm. It went, a, Maybe. it went a little bit away. To me, he should have been able to hit that behind rather than to burn, personally. Yeah, I mean, I think there, would be a lot, there would have been a lot of comment on Ryan if he'd done that. Whereas, again, yeah. was, as I've said before on Sanchez against West Ham, there wasn't that much comment about him on that game, and also there wasn't for that. Mm. Whereas, I think on like the Knights of North Stand chat on Twitter, there would have been an awful lot of comment on Ryan if he'd done the same. And I think you should be judged. I know Sanchez is coming to his career in the same, but ostensibly we're playing in the Premier League at the moment. It doesn't matter whether you've played two games or 52 games or 102 games. We should be deciding our keeper based on equal measures. And to me, the the, defense, the mistakes he's made against West Ham and and against, and I think against um, Wolves, are probably worse than anything that Ryan's really mistakes-wise made all season. Yeah, oh, it's good it's to get a disagreement in. Well, you've also made the mistakes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I agree with you about the West Ham games. I do think that's harsh on on the, for the Wolves game, to be honest. I, I, I think it's just it, it's very unfortunate because of where it where it was, how we had to deal with it. Um, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll agree to disagree on this yeah. one. Because I, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying he's it was a horrendous mistake. I just think no, he's no. With it. You could argue we've got more angle on it. Um, it was in the heat of the moment. It's very difficult to to do that. I think what he did do, he did try and get some trajectory onto yeah. it to, to bear it away. And unfortunately, Burn, not least of the fact of the size of the guy, um, couldn't help being in the way. And I mean, there's nothing Burn could do about it, that's for sure. No. Um, he's completely faultless in that one, well, really. I don't think... Burn generally for that, for the fact he gave the corner away in the first place. Yeah. It so, just... Yeah, that, that's true. Um, I, I do think maybe a, a better keeper, and I, and I do think looking at that in a West Ham game, I wonder if we do need a keeper in January rather than sticking with Sanchez and give Sanchez a kind of cup games and kind of keep him as, as backup if Ryan goes. But he, we need someone like, I mean, I said in the last episode, Romero, I'd, I mean, he'd be a fantastic signing. But whether he'd become to us, I don't know. But Yeah, yeah, he's mentioned before. And I, I, I do think there's certainly an argument if Ryan's going uh, to get someone else in. Because if you did just stick with Sanchez, who is ultimately a rookie still at the moment. Yeah, well, it's speaking, a lot of pressure, genuinely, hmm. for Sanchez. So it's like... You know, it's genuine pressure for him. And yeah, given the position, I mean... Not played above Rochdale before us, so... Yeah, for example, if he's playing for our opponents, it's an easier situation because they're in mid-table, there's less to lose. I know they'll be pushing for Europe and whatever else, but the fact of the matter is they probably know they're going to be ending up somewhere in mid-table this season. And I don't think it would make a huge difference to a confident team in a comfortable position to have someone bedded in more regularly like that. So there is more pressure in our scenario. If, yeah. If, if, if we go to the end of January and we don't get another keeper in and we do let Ryan go, if if Sanchez has a bad run, we only have Luke, we only have Steele, who hasn't played a Premier League game for us, mm. I don't think. And I don't think so. No. Not got a great record generally viewed as, you know, kind of or yeah. um or Walton, Walton. who's never played yeah. at this level either. Yeah. So and I'm not completely convinced of Walton. I think he could no, be a I'm good goalie, but I'm Blackburn fans last season. I'm not. Yeah, I don't think he's going to make it in the Prem. Whether he stays with us and makes it in the Championship is another matter. If we went down, but in terms of the Premier League, I can't see it. Steele is a backup guy, and I think what Potter's apparently said he likes about him is that he is good in that role. It sounds like a backhanded compliment, but I think yeah, it, I find that I think really it, weird. That whole he's good on the good match day. It's kind of like. 
I, I find that whole thing really mm. odd. Surely you have your backup keeper on the bench in terms of quality in case you get an injury on the day. Yeah, I mean, to digress on this point for a moment, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I, mean, I can only imagine what he's talking about is he's he's relatively satisfied with being the backup. Uh, he's not kicking off about anything. He's presumably good in the warm-up stuff and the dynamics, the match day dynamics, um, the psychological, the kind of the, the, the general camaraderie elements behind the scenes. And whether there's any other input he has behind the scenes as well but beyond that, I don't know. Keeper and do that anyway. I, I find the whole thing really odd. Yeah. If, if Sanchez got sent off after two minutes, surely you want your second best keeper to be in the, in the after that. Yeah, you want someone hungry, itching for the chance to come in, and that's yeah, where you would probably when, argue Sanchez should be. Wise, I'd say. I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see who he plays on Sunday in the in the in the cup. If Ryan doesn't play Sunday, I think he's probably off. Personally. Yeah. Agreed. I think he'll probably play Steel um, if that's the case. Um, I don't know though. Do you? Yeah. I mean, maybe not. Maybe you you try and like, you want to keep Steel relatively happy, don't you? More games. Yeah, uh, but does Sanchez like just need to get, get like, as much fatigue? Is it? You know, it's it's not going to be. Yeah, exactly. And maybe he needs to get as much as he can if he is going to be persistent yeah. with. It's it's a weird one though because I find it really odd that you wouldn't put your second best keeper on the bench rather than mm. keep. Brian and Sanchez in and out the squad and still always number you know always on the bench. Surely, yeah. To me, if you you have a backup keeper because your keeper might get sent off after two minutes or injured after two minutes, and so you want your second best keeper on the bench. Yeah, that's just yeah. Makes no yeah. sense, you know. Is yeah. Well, we, we'll look on with interest to see what happens at the weekend with regard no, to that. But... I don't quite get with with. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do agree with you. I think Ryan's probably off. It sounds like it, doesn't it? It doesn't doesn't seem right. I love Matty Ryan. He's been such a mm. brilliant player for us. And I genuinely think he's been really, really badly treated by some fans this year. There's some yeah. fans who are, I genuinely, I think that some fans didn't, didn't ever forgive him for proving them wrong when he first joined and they thought he was terrible. Yeah. Um, I think you've been reading more social media than me because I, I probably would be more annoyed about this if I'd read more. Um, I, I just, he's, he's, but, it's been yeah. a kind of genuine attempt to try every single goal we could see. It's like, oh, Ryan should have, there was even an attempt to try and say he should have done more with Vestergaard's header and a bigger keeper would have got there. And it's like, that, that proves how ridiculous some people yeah. are. Yeah, that, that's, that is ridiculous. It's a real shame. Yeah. It makes me really sad that like the last game I saw of Matty Ryan was like Wolves away and I had no idea that I was never, potentially never going to see him in an Albion shirt live again before mm. lockdown. You know, it's kind of, it, he's, he's been such a great keeper for us and such a big part of the team spirit as well, I think, that's got us, you know, kept us up there. And yeah, mm. and he's essentially, he's now going to go without any, fa- you know, without any fanfare. Yeah, to me, he's been pretty, pretty, pretty badly, to be honest. So. Yeah. Well, getting back to the match um, and getting back to Dan Burns' nightmare, unfortunately, I mean, a lot of it wasn't his fault. A lot of it could have, you could have done better. I do think where he did struggle in this game was um, with um, obviously the mistakes he made, but also the sort of defensive headers. I really was getting quite frustrated with the lack of length or direction that he was getting on them. He, he kept putting us back under pressure by that. Um, he had free headers and didn't do much with them. His confidence was obviously dropping because of the... Uh, the, the unlucky scenario with the own goal from the concession of his own corner. Um, but of course, the whole thing, just when you think he wants to get in at half time and try and okay, regroup. No, headers, actually. I think the, the first goal, we had a, he had a pretty poor header cleared, didn't he? And straight to their player and into the area. Yeah. Then let yeah. him cycle it back into the area as well. Yeah, so even there, he was at fault partly. Um, but to compound his misery, 44 minutes into the game, Neves gets, um, well, he scores from the spot after the. This, the situation we were talking about earlier, Traore beating his man. Yeah, I, I I do have a criticism with Burn for this. I do agree about him being left kind of 
you know, with a thankless task there. But I think he 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 tracked the run of Triori too tightly. He, I think he went with him too much. And if he'd have if he'd have diagonalized a bit more and just gone directly to the point which Triori was obviously aiming to get to, what he would have done, of course, is force him inside. And we know Triori is capable of unusually good changes of direction for a guy of that size going at that speed. But he would have been capable of cutting in. But that's where Dunk could have covered. Now I know he might still have won a penalty yeah, or got yeah, some joy but Dunk was covering as well he would keep yeah and, so mean, for me I think there was naivety there from from there is, Dan a little bit surely surely by now Potter knows his limitations and it's yeah. yeah he should have I mean the only question I have over the penalty and I think it's the most blatant penalty I think I've ever seen almost I mean it was such a, yeah, a yeah. penalty. Yeah, there's no debates on this one yeah. in the halfway line where it almost went out of play beforehand and I've been interested right. to see that again whether it almost went out of play but yeah, I mean, it was like one of the most blatant penalties that I've ever seen generally. I mean, it was just like he just did him for pace, didn't he? And he should have let him go with um, Dunk kind of come across instead. But he panicked, as, as he probably would do in that situation. Yeah. And Traore is, although yeah. he's not had a great season on his day, one of the best players in the Premier League. I think he's just ridiculously strong as well as being you know, powerful, tall, you know, kind of like quick. He has everything, basically. Mm. And he's not had yeah. quite the season he had last year. And he's missed Jimenez, I think, probably in the middle, who obviously has been also missed generally as well recently. They've not really been scoring many goals until, until we played them. But, um, yeah, I, I genuinely... I, I, do, I do think that Byrne was wrongly isolated, but, yeah, Traore, obviously, his eyes pretty lit up when he saw, like, March move across and not back up Traore, but not back up Byrne. And he took full advantage of it. And fair play to him. He's a, he's a fantastic player. I'd love to see someone like that at the Albion. Hmm. Yeah, great player. And and we've got is it's not like it's obviously quite small in terms of with with the pace, but having someone of that size as well as that quick that speed, it's yeah, it's so destructive when it works. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean so that was half time. Um it was a very, very short turnaround before we saw another goal from the penalty spot. But just just to quickly go go on to the um, the conversion of the penalty, Neves, he buried it pretty convincing. Sanchez went the wrong way, which is a well, no, no improvement on Ryan's recent record for penalties there. Um, it's difficult. He did sell him pretty well there. It was, um, I think, just a very good penalty. We were very unlikely to save that, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not convinced uh, no that he went near it going the right way, to be honest. I mean, it was a pretty good... No. It wasn't like it was like just only just on one side. It was right in the corner. Yeah, they're a very good team. And, you know, put them in that position, they're likely to, to bury it. And that was 3-1 at half-time. Um, we, uh, we, obviously, we were in a precarious position. We were a couple of goals down. Basuma um, had got booked, hadn't he? I can't remember if that was in the first half or not. I think it must it, have been. It was, yeah, because he went off at half yeah. time. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, he went off half time. And he then committed yeah. two fouls afterwards, so I would completely back Potter's decision to take him off. I mean, he's... 100%. Yeah, no issue with that at all. I um, completely agree with you as well. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he had to go at half time for that reason. And um, Dan Bernard also picked up a yellow. He got, he, he went, I think I may have been second half, but he, he went off yeah, that was quite later on. Again, a sensible move. Yeah. Yeah. But the halftime subs were Basuma was taken off for tactical reasons while related to that card. And Davy Proper came on. And the other halftime sub, of course, was Connolly got the injury just before, literally, I think, half a minute before the halftime whistle. So he went off just before the rest of the team did and didn't reemerge as we expected. And it was slightly unexpected, but I was quite pleased to see, actually, um, that they decided to bring on Zakiri and give him a whole half. And, um, We'll talk about some of them. We had nothing to lose then in that case, frankly. Yeah, 
I mean, at yeah. 3-1, it felt like, you know, well, if we lose 5-1, we lose 5-1, but give it a go and have a go at it, you know, and have a, give Sagiri a go, give him a chance. Yeah. You find yeah. him, you think he's any good. Mm, that's right. I mean, the other subs, because I mean, apart from Steele, the other subs were McAllister, Gross, Lalana, who did come on later, Jahan Batch, Proper, who came on, Zakiri came on, Bernardo and Malumbi. So, you know, it, from that, it's uh, Welbeck wasn't in the squad. Um, and Jahan Batch came on. Yeah, exactly. Jahan Batch is the next uh, nearest equivalent. So it made sense. Sort of, it was a, yeah, it was a take it or leave it. Let's go for it situation. We did go for it. And I thought, um, I thought he had a, a decent enough game for a guy who's still getting used to the division, the country. Yeah. He missed um, it the squad, but then, yeah, it was a difficult one. It came to him quite quickly. But generally, he put himself about. He looked, he looked far better up front, obviously, surprisingly, than he did against Kevin on the left wing, where he didn't do anything, unsurprisingly, because he was like, we were playing yeah. terribly and he was playing out of position. So yeah. Yeah. I, I actually thought he was, yeah, he looked quite decent. I mean, he's just, Yeah, he looks, I think he's just... Um... He's roughly he's six foot one. Target, target man, which is what something we're crying out for, really. Yeah, and in set scenarios, a, a brilliant target man, but can't run for for anything. Yeah, <laughs> he looked like somebody. Could, yeah, he didn't. He wasn't very quick, but he was quick enough, and he could yeah. win the ball in the air, and he could challenge people, and he he looked like he gave a shit as well, which is actually in the first half a little bit like they they almost gave up at the end, of, you know, towards the end of the first half, and he yeah. he, he put himself about and he. And the other thing of the second half I thought was really good, but I thought Proper was superb. When you were yeah. saying, Ollie, you thought he was like potentially your man in the match. And I thought mm. he was brilliant. Um, and to me, the next rest of the season, if they're fit, Proper and Basuma should be midfield. Elzarte can drop off a bit. Maybe if he's not been, you know, been quite fit, he's not been, he's been ill a bit, maybe give him a chance off, off the bench or whatever. But Proper and Basuma should be our midfield too. Yeah, I agree so with that. Right I t- in there. I no so. Lallana. Lallana's wasted in there. He should be further forward. No Grosh yeah. in there. He's wasted there as well. If he's, he should be further forward. You need. Yeah. So you can you can have you can have Lalana or Grosh as the as the options to number ten. McAllister as well if you want. Um, Jahanbach if you want. You've got options there. So you don't need to have proper and Basuma in those. Uh, you know, one or other out of the team. I'll, I'll go to midfield pair for the rest of the yeah. season. Yeah. I know a lot of people have written yeah. proper off, and I, I was beginning to wonder because he hadn't appeared all season really mm. whether the club had let him go. But he's been superb. He did okay against Arsenal, I thought as well. And he did brilliantly on the, the second half against Wolves, and he was one of the key factors behind our comeback. I thought. Yeah, I'm impressed with how quickly he's come back into what looks like match sharpness as well because it's not easy. Eighteen for like or twenties it is now for about two months. Had he barely featured at all in even in yeah. the squad, let alone... And we thought, actually, you said about his time coming up, we, we did speculate, didn't we, as to whether he was being left out because he was being yeah. pre- prevented from getting injured in case uh, being sold in the, in the window, which well, obviously could still happen, but I, it, it seems less likely now. Yeah, yeah I hope looked, he stays. He looked as good as he'd looked for ages, I think, probably, if anything. Since yeah. his season, almost, yeah. he, was, he was superb, and he, he really, yeah, he actually made up for the fact that Bissouma, who obviously been one of our best players, was off the pitch, actually, in the end. Yeah. Um, well, the the second half itself, apart from those two substitutions, um, there was one other change very quickly into the half, which was the scoreline, because Morpé, pretty much from the off, went straight at um, their attack. He, um, he, he was got past one player, weaving in between two others. Somebody clipped his foot. Wasn't too much in it, but there was definitely a clip, um, genuine decision. Um 
Dermot Gallagher, by the way, on the ref watch for Sky Sports News has, uh, has verified that he thought both penalties in the game were correct decisions. So he, he agrees for what that's worth. With the Wolves penalty, I can't quite believe that. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely clear. I mean, it was a blatant yeah, penalty. Yeah. The, the yeah. It was a stupid tackle from someone's experience as Matinho because he... Yeah. He's been around. He shouldn't. There are two Wolves players coming out to tackle Mope. Mope must have been delighted when he got clipped. I mean, he must have been like, you know, kind of yeah. couldn't believe his luck. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was, and it, it was such a simple. It was twelve seconds into the half. It's a long ball up. Zakiri won it. Zakiri won it quite comfortably. Wolves, Wolves defense yeah. went to sleep. They were bypassed two of them and went to Zakiri, who flicked it on, and Mope just walked into the area and he just clipped him. I mean, it was so simplistic and so easy. Hmm. As you could tell from the reaction, as you, as you often can with these things, and Gallagher pointed that out as well, that there was no real complaints from anybody. That tells you all you need to the know. The VAR didn't take three hours to take three to work. Yeah. Decision, so obviously, it yeah. was a... interestingly, yeah, they, they, they were asked. Um, Gallagher was asked, "Do you look for clues like that?" And he said, "We look for all clues. Any any clues are good clues." So you know they do look at that sort of stuff. And but they're probably anyway, they're... now with VAR because you get to mm. see a replay and that sort true, of thing. True, true. But, but yeah, so, so Barry. Uh, so it's Barry. I don't know why I said Barry. Morpay um, had the. Uh, we haven't got anyone called Barry. And Morpay had uh, had the penalty himself, of course. He buried. That's what I was going to say. That's why. Yeah, Morpay had the penalty won, and he buried it um, well, with a plum. He missed his last one. I was. He said, "Yeah." Well, I thought. Yeah, I'm pleased for him in both that regard and the fact that he's now up onto crept up onto six goals, so he's still ahead of schedule from last year's comparison. Yeah, all things six, considered, yeah, six before the halfway mark. Although three penalties, but I think he only had like one or two in his ten last year. Mm-hmm. Everton, yeah. one, maybe had one other as well, but not many. Yeah, that's right. And um, I was I was really pleased. Well, for both the scorers with how Connolly and Morpay, you want your striker scoring goals. It can't do any harm at all with the confidence, can it? And I know, okay, well, Connolly's now going to be out for a couple of weeks or so, but uh, for Morpay, that's really important for him to get that. If he missed another penalty at this point, like, actually quite a big moment. I it's think a huge, yeah, huge moment. Yeah, it's like either mm. we get we have a chance to get back into it and miss it, and and suddenly it's like and it's still three one, and that's kind of like any sort of like kind of post half time boost we get goes or it's you know it's a real kind of like yeah we're back in the game we're right in this yeah yeah um indeed and we'll get to the other scorer as well um getting another goal which is which was also good to see we'll come to that in a minute but i think it was before that if i remember rightly that uh trossard's situation came up no no um, no the webster one was before that they hit the bar oh Trot- the webster one yeah that. yeah so webster yeah webster managed to hit the bar with a header again uh he did it as well i thought it was a it was really unlucky. Yeah, it was so close. From set pieces, which is weird. Mm. We still can't, yeah, them, but we are starting to look quite decent at the other end. Yeah, I mean that is very encouraging, isn't it? That's it's at least one thing in the right direction. It bounced back quite quickly, and you know yeah. you could argue he should have done better, but you could argue that you know probably Aguero would have scored that, but he's not Aguero, <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean there's there's a few positives we'll get onto, but I mean Zakiri looking bright and sparky, Conley looking. Like he's got more confidence, albeit a little bit of an injury now. More pay, getting another goal quickly after the other one. All of those things are positives, and the fight back, of course, itself was was really good. But the um, yeah, the Webster header was desperately unlucky. Yeah, off the back of what's happened before with his previous chance, um, the Fulham game wasn't it? I think where he yeah. came back off the bar, and um, that itself was unlucky as well. So really felt for him, and obviously chasing the game, looking for that equaliser. Suddenly, out of the blue, it looked like we had something to hope for. When I, I was thinking the best we could hope for here is a draw, um, but I was thinking of that as an outsider chance. And here we were, looking genuinely in the game, 
looking a much better side against what had been a pretty impressive Wolf side. Yeah, Wolves didn't really turn up second half. I thought they kind of, they, I don't know what happened at half time, whether they thought they could sit back on their lead or whether they yeah. were just taken aback by the how quick we got back into yeah, back into the game. Or but they just didn't yeah, really maybe. turn up. I, they didn't really look. I mean, they had the, the occasional threat from Traore running basically because. But that was the only threat they really had all half from his running. Basically, he was just so. I mean, you could never fall asleep. You know, kind of a, you know, be be sure defensive against him. But other than that, they didn't really offer anything. Neto, um, Poland, nothing. No one of them really offered anything second half. Yeah. Well, then, then we did have um, Trossard who um, ended up with two assists in the game. One had happened by that point. The other one came later. But in the meantime, in between which, he could have gotten the score sheet, um, couldn't he? I think it was the other way around. I'm being told. The other way around. Oh, is it? And yes, the goal no, you're came right. Next, and then, yeah, the goal came next. You're right. Yeah, sorry, Peter. I'm, 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 um, I'm getting tangled up. Yeah, sorry. He did get his second assist. Uh, was the next significant action of the game, um, setting up Dunk for a goal. It came from a set piece. <laughs> Surely not. And uh, we had a, um, a corner, um, swung in. It, what, what did you, what, what, what did you make of the goal, Peter? What, Dunk, I mean, they, they they suffer from the same marking we do, basically the yeah, same seems so. zonal marking system, and yeah, the, mm. they left Dunk pretty much to run in, and yeah, had a, had the run on size size or whatever, and yeah, it was a, it was a decent header, but I'm, I'm not convinced whether it was I'm not sure whether it was going in or people have saved it until like obviously it hit size and went in a completely different direction, really. Yeah, yeah, um, um, so, it still seems to be given to him, so they must think it was going to go in the other corner, really, but. He didn't head it where it ended up, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, same as Morpay, Dunks on two goals in three games, um, scored in the same matches. Um, great for him. Um, yeah, possibly slight deflection, but yeah, it's, it's, good, that's it's nice. good to start being a danger from set pieces at one end. And it's good to get, start getting a few more people on the score sheet. And Yeah, and it's come off the back of him looking a threat in the last two to three games before that. So, it seems to be a consistency of threats now. For us, from yeah. set pieces, given Webster, as you mentioned, before, before this, before Dunk did at West Ham. Yeah. and talking, we were talking about Burn earlier, and I think the reason he probably drops to the bottom of the squad options for me, but is should be kept in there, but only as a squad option, is because he doesn't offer that threat, yeah. which, in addition to being probably better defenders, that Webster and Dunk do offer, and that's. Um, well, that's... I, don't, I agree. I think he is the bottom of the, hmm. the options. Where I disagree with people is where people have absolutely slammed him and said mm. he should be got rid of and that sort of thing. It's like, no, no, he has his he has his place. He's a decent squad player, but he, yeah, he's yeah. also yes, well below below yeah. White, Webster, Dunk, and Beltman, who I, I I think they should find a way of getting the team every week. To be honest, I still think he's yeah, one of our yeah. best players when he's played this season. Every time yeah. he looks yeah. a good signing, I don't get and I, I I yeah, and it's one of the reasons I actually wouldn't mind selling White in January if it came to it. And mm. take using the money to spend elsewhere because we'd have Beltman, Duncan, Webster, which I think would be, if not equally, maybe better partnership in a way. Especially when you've got the extra backup in midfield of proper coming back into the equation yeah. now as well. So it's not as if he's needed or anyone else is needed there as much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's. It, and that obviously is the money being spent. I, you probably could get a centre half in on loan, maybe, something like that, but the money being spent elsewhere to strengthen up front and. Yeah. Well, so so five back complete, um, three one back to three all. It was a good open game. It was a good game for the neutrals. We were enjoying the second half, obviously, because we Especially were getting after back into it. The low scoring game and uh, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I did say it would be a, a draw though. I, I didn't get the score, obviously, but um, I think I went for one all, didn't I? But yeah, we do tend to get draws against them. Although you know, 
they're a bogey, we're a bogey team for them. Our one nil win when they first came up. Yeah, we we just we're, they're a bogey team. Well, we're a bogey team for them, but it's it's more in the in the fact that they've been higher in the table is what that means because we've not been winning all of the games. As you said, it's been draws, but we were delighted to be back on terms in this match, and it was quite open. It was, it really could have gone either way as emphasised by the two chances, one of which I've been itching to talk about so much that I've completely forgotten when it was in the game. I can finally now talk about it. Was the final whistle? (laughs) (laughs) It was a Man United scenario. They called it back in. Toros, have a go, go. Yeah, it's strange how I've lost track of when that was in the match, actually. It's interesting. It happened at 3-2 and then we'd equalised. I think it probably would have been less mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. But because it was so at 3 all. I mean, to me, it was to go on to your favourite point of the game, it was a dreadful <laughs> referee. Whether or not you agree with him that it was a foul, and I don't, I think it was never a foul, um, To you leave it to VAR. That's the whole point of having VAR. You don't blow mm. up your whistle. You don't kind of, you let Trossard go through, have the shot, and then you can go back and look at it on the screen if you want to or whatever. You see what happens. It, it's, a, it's a no-brainer to me. I mean, it's such, that could have been such a big goal for us. And then, hmm. yes, all right, then they might have scored in the last minute or you know, they might have won 5-4 at that point if we'd scored. But yeah. it could have been such a big goal for Brighton in, that, in, that, in the context of things. And yet you blow your whistle when you've got the, you've got the ability. And then to clearly show a two-handed push on screen that you thought it was that, when it clearly wasn't. I mean, even an idiot kind of looking at it closely can't, can see it wasn't a two-handed push. It, there might have been a slight nudge, but if there was a slight nudge, it was only after the ball had gone, the defender messed it up in his own. It, it yeah. was, yeah, it was crying out a... to look at it. And yeah, the referee stopped that happening. And it was as bad a decision as the one that Burnley got at Leeds, which was, I'll, I'll never go at Leeds now, <laughs> which was a dreadful decision as well, when they, they, they gave a ridiculous foul on the keeper. And then Barnes almost would have scored if, if they hadn't given it. Yeah, I was going to I mean, mention was, that, yeah. It, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was a terrible decision from Andy Madley. And yeah, I don't know why he thought that he had the view to see that. Because frankly, his, he was in a really bad position for it, and it, yeah, the, yeah, no one else. Yeah, mm. it, it, I can I can see why he gave it initially, but surely you then don't. Yeah, you don't blow, and the whole point of VAR is you let things run. When you consider that the tier players are five yards offside, they don't flag for quite often until yeah. the, the player's broken down. It's ridiculous that they flag. He basically blew the top for that. It came from a through ball, didn't it? Um, I'm trying to think who played Sanchez. it in actually. It was a kick straight from Sanchez. He claimed from a corner and then kicked it. Straight oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And just to explain, if anyone had, hasn't seen it yet, yeah, I mean, Trossard was bearing in on goal. There was the is- issue with whether he p- pushed somebody or not. Got into just inside the box, I think it was, wasn't it? And then buried it with a plum into the corner. So the finish was there again. We scored three goals. We nearly scored another one with Webster. And we did technically score another. Um, so it's good to see the eyes in there. Let's hope he can do that again when it is a valid goal. But uh Maybe it should have been. And I don't know, maybe relax more knowing it wasn't. It would have been an interesting... Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe probably would have missed it if he hadn't blown whistle. But it would have been an interesting one with VAR. My view is probably VAR would have gone with the referee, whatever he said, in the Mm. end. Yeah. So he could have have let it play and said whistle and then gone, you know, signal on the ground is foul. And they probably wouldn't have disagreed with that or or not disagreed with that. There probably wasn't enough to say it wasn't a foul on the screen if he'd said it afterwards. But he should have left it. And I think BAI should have let him see the screen as well. And he could have decided what he thought. Yeah. To absolutely. me, it was, there was nothing in it. But you see fouls given in that sort of situation all the time. But to, to let it, to pull it back, but put it, pull it back 
in that situation was just yeah really really yeah. bad decision yeah and of course there there was also a golden chance at the other end for wolves in the dying moments just when we think we've we've got our point and i must admit i'm guilty of relaxing because after we had a, a chance right near the end yeah because we had a couple of corners didn't we near the end yeah which yeah. we honestly felt quite threatening i did i did feel like oh which I haven't done hardly at all this season. I did feel like we might actually get a winner here. We got um, our goal for the game, though, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, back back to square one. But no, I mean there was a counter attack um, involving Triori down the right hand side. Got the cross in, and his man in the middle there. It was a really good chance, wasn't it? He he just got under it. You could tell how he what he thought by the fact he sat in the goal for about two minutes with his head in his hand, <laughs> and, like couldn't believe he'd missed. I think a lot of their bench were quite young players, so it probably would have been. He probably wouldn't have played very much for the for the first team so far. So he probably saw like the glory in his eyes, like the chance to score a last minute winner for them, and then it kind of all went. Yeah, I mean, yeah, completely mistimed his jump, didn't he? he? Kind of rather than getting over it, he got kind of under it and just headed it well over the bar. It wasn't even close. Yeah, and it's uh, Owen. Otasoi, I think it's pronounced the guy, isn't it? In question, he's a substitute. Um, highly rated, apparently. I think somebody on Football Focus, I think it was, um, might have been Dion Dublin, was saying that he really rates him, one to look out for. It might have been Stephen Warnock, maybe somebody. Anyway, they, they were rating about, uh, raving about hey, him. Dion saying Dublin he's... really rates Stephen Warnock as one to look out for. <laughs> no, 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 not that, not that. <laughs> but, <Junior yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was uh, it, it was a. It, disappointing not to get the win. When you look at it in the cold line today, it's another draw at home, as you said, to a team that's not one of the big boys, albeit they are a very good team. Um, I think it's an improvement on a, on a game against Leicester, for example, where I felt they're a team of, broadly speaking, similar quality. Um, I think maybe not quite as good as Leicester, but they're, they're not far off that level. And we've came up with a much better result. Yeah, in, and it, it's game. a balance, isn't it? Because I mean, my first thought when we went three all was, don't give this away now, guys. Don't give this away now, guys. And it's like we had we had one or two chances, but we also could have lost it. And the the, the benefit of winning would have been so big, but also the, the the loss of losing, even though it's only one point, would have been so big as well, having got back in the game. Yeah, that's right. So in a way, um, I, I think I'd have probably taken three all when it went to three all because yeah, just because the the downside of going to 4-3, having got ahead level, was uh, so big. and Exactly. And Graham Potter, I mean, he, his, his post-match interview, he said it was tough for us at half-time, of course, because of the scoreline and how the half went. You're looking for a response. You're looking for character. And I thought we got it. The players were amazing, great spirit, great personality and quality. We hit the bar and pushed and pushed. So I, mean, I, I would agree with that. I think character was was the word there. Um, I haven't seen the highlights back, actually. I saw the game live, but I haven't seen the highlights, so I don't know what match of the day I've said. But I would imagine if they didn't, they should have said something about that in terms of the will Brighton survive debate. You they, look at things like that, don't you? On kind of, they focus bits on the um, on the defending generally, on Dan Byrne generally, that sort of thing, I think, and and then went yeah. on. To the, they also said the Trossard one should have been let go and see why it went. Basically. Yeah. yeah. It was... A bad decision. It was Certainly was an improved performance. One thing where I think we can still improve more is is still to be even more clinical up front. I mean, if you look at the stats for the game, um, possession-wise, we had more of it. And we actually had more passes, um, interestingly, quite a few more. Uh, 548 again in this match. Um, we did have a better pass rate as well. So again, that matches similar um, figures I've quoted in the last couple of games. Um, we also had 
a lot of um, or more, much more success with crosses and things like that. Where they're better is um, the interesting stats were to do with um, shots. We have more shots in the box and subsequently we have more block shots as well. Um, but they had, um, I think we had three dangerous chances. We scored them. They had two dangerous chances and they scored three goals. Obviously, that's I presume they account for the uh, the own goal in that, I suppose. Um, or maybe the, even the first goal not being as, as much of a threat. I'm not sure. But the stats there just tell you that one thing Wolves are very good at is putting away chances, with the exception of that one at the end, thankfully. <laughs> um, yeah. But he he's not a regular guy in their team. So I think all in all, we have to be positive with that one. It's definitely a better performance. It did show character. And I do think we've got things to build on going forwards. Um, but yeah, we I do agree. need... The move was very different than if we'd drawn one all with them, I think, probably, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, if we'd just drawn one all in a pretty ordinary game or whoever took the lead, it probably would have been a lot more focused on and we haven't won at home again. Whereas the fact that we came back from 3-1 down, focused it, turned it around a lot and kind of focused it on, you know, kind of like, oh, we were you know, positives of it in a way. Which yeah. maybe let Potter off the hook a little bit, but also... Maybe actually makes the mood around the you know the team a bit better as well. So it's probably a good thing. Yeah. And the fight back, the goals scored, those things are definite positives. Yeah, we and... showed massive fight second half, which is something we haven't really seen yeah. in a lot of games. You know, Arsenal, we didn't really show that much fight mm. at all, especially once we went one down. We looked like we were pretty much resigned to it. Whereas in that game, two goals down, we showed a lot of kind of battle and fight. Yeah, and yes, hunger too, which is good. The second, the, the the nature of second goal basically kind of changed mm. the game massively because it a kind of undid any Wolves halftime team talk and b yeah. gave us real impetus. And from there, we didn't really kind of. I was saying, a priori, I think was their only threat second half. It was yeah. it wasn't really anything else. They didn't none of their attacking players really offered anything else except for him. It was just him on the break or and us trying to push forward for another goal. And you know, I thought mm. we you know we, on another day we could have won that game, but then on another day we could have. You could easily have lost yeah. it, you know. And... And, and seeing Morpé score another goal and seeing Connolly looking confident and scoring, seeing Zakiri having a, a, a pretty bright half, I think all those things and were not only... In... Trossard have a bright game. And, and Trossard, yeah. One of the biggest things, he is probably our most attack, uh, uh, talented attacker of the lot, I think, probably of all of them. I mean, he yeah. gets the Belgian squad, which, frankly, has a ridiculous amount of attacking players in it, quality, in terms of quality. So he, I think he's arguably our best attacking player. If he can get back into full form to provision, providing players, you know, we then yeah. Yeah, it could be hopefully even if we miss some, we should be able to score some as well. Yeah, he absolutely. And season, then he lost his way after his, especially yeah. after the United game where he hit the post about four times. Yeah, I mean, he, he makes a big difference when he's on form, doesn't he? And a lot of what we did prior to, to this season when he was when he was in good form. And I do think that seeing those players doing well, not only is it inspiring confidence for them individually, but also collectively as a team. And also the whole thing about competition for places as well. You're thinking, hang on, this security guy is doing all right. Right, we have to buck ourselves up now. Yeah. That will hopefully help as well. The, the final point for me on, this, on the match is... Um, for me, our position is both slightly strengthened and slightly weakened in the same weekend round of results, bizarrely. On the one hand, it's strengthened over the bottom two, which is obviously a good thing. Sheffield United lost yet again to Palace, still on two points from, I think, 17 games now, which is unbelievably bad. And West Brom got thrashed. So the goal difference-wise, and obviously the one-point gain as well, has strengthened our position over them. Where it slightly weakened it, of course, is that um, we drop points again. We the average points wise, we are now closer to to Fulham. Fulham have 
um, now two games in hand. They're not easy games, I know. Um, the Burnley match got postponed. They're, they're away yeah, game. They've got to uh, win and draw two away games. To get ahead of us, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, I, I think it's just important to keep points coming on the board at the moment, to keep the spirits up. And if we do those two things together and make signings we need to in the summer... Then we could we can have a good yeah, second half. One more positive as well. I thought Lalana played decently for the twenty twenty five minutes he was on, and also yeah. fit again as well, which is a bonus. Um, yeah. So I would I would hold him back for Man City and not play him, but then play him at Leeds and play him further forward. I think we're going to get chances at Leeds. They'll leave themselves quite open, and I think Lalana's quality on the ball will make a difference. Yeah, it's good to see in a way that Leeds got comfortably beaten. It, just in case they do get dragged in. Yeah, Newcastle I, got I know, beaten I heavily. They all get dragged in now, but I also know that they're mm. they're far from being unbeatable. I mean, they, yeah. they vary from winning five nil one week to losing five nil next, and they're, they're yeah they're completely random. So it's far from an unwinnable game. That it's, I definitely think we've got a good chance at Leeds. Yeah, so I, and... I wouldn't play reserve team at Man City, but I would play. I would play players maybe who were less like you know say decent, and again maybe the benefit of our squad being you know reasonably. Yeah, flexible. Absolutely. And we we also gained a point on Newcastle who got heavily beaten. And Arsenal, thankfully, did keep that winning run going that they, uh, well, benefited from against us. um, That they got on the uh, score sheet again comfortably in their last match. The point has been made that this Arsenal team have beaten Chelsea 3 0, West Brom 4 0, and our reserves 1 0. So, or not Mm. our reserves, but certainly a kind of, you know, second string, certainly for a lot of them. So it's it's an interesting one, you know. Kind of quite a brand, what we, most people thought was a quite a weird team selection, only one nil. So yeah. it's an interesting one, you know. It's, it it shows we're not as bad as, and also backs up the whole that we're, we're you know our reserves are probably equally, you know, quite close yeah. to our first team in a way. There's there's not a lot of difference in that sense. Yeah, one other point to make from the weekend games as well. Um, in general. Uh, Zaha getting away with one again. I don't know if you've seen this. He's got a habit, of, as well as getting wound up, as we know, of raising his hands to people's faces. He's got away with this at least once, I think twice before. He did it again, didn't he, against Sheffield United. Um, he was obviously getting provoked by something. don't know what it was. But um, he raises his hands. It's not a violent slap or punch in the face, but he does sort of kind of pad or claw at the player's face. And if, if your man goes down there, that's... Um, you know, the more incidents you see of, of things like that and of, of, of fake moving your head towards players as well, the more you realise yeah. Duffy was a little bit unlucky against Palace because Duffy moved his head towards Van Arnholt a little bit but and, and Van Arnholt collapsed underneath him. Yeah. But actually, so if but actually, Dan had done that versus um, Walker at Wembley? Yeah, yeah. A, an example. And also there's been some more recent ones as well. There was someone quite recently in one of our games who did that. Was it, was it the Palace guy Mitchell who did it against... Um, yeah. Like that. And there was another one, I think, more recently from us as well, hmm. where a player moved his head. And it's like, that. I thought the rule was, if you move your head towards someone, you're off. Even if you don't head, even if you don't actually touch them, it's kind of like, that's yeah. it's, it's the attempt at headbutting someone. But and again, it, he, he came in for praise on, um, on the uh, match of the day for uh, the fact he didn't go down. But then you think, well, um, yeah, again, I mean, if he's, if nothing comes of it, he might get praised as much as he wants. But his teammates will probably think, well, you know, next time just go down. And the manager will probably say, yeah. just go down because... Referees, if you're not going to punish things because players don't go down, then don't expect them to stay on their feet. Yeah, exactly. Final things then to round off this episode. Um, one thing is we're, we're hearing there might be a story emerging actually related to Sheffield United, which might not be good news for them as well to do with um, 
um, matters off the pitch. Um, stay tuned for that. We won't say anything because that's an early early stage report of something um, which is going to just compound their misery, really, I think, if uh, if anything comes of that. Um, my final point, though, for the, for the pod was just a little bit of a, a touch on the transfer window. It's now open, of course. Um, a couple of things. Um, first of all, I was thinking about sort of players. We were talking with Nick, weren't we, on the on the post-match Zoom, and he thinks Josh King would be a good acquisition if we could get him either just for the rest of the season or beyond. A proper centre-forward is at Bournemouth. Um, he, I think he said for some reason he wants to play. He thinks he can play Champions League um, football, but um, that's not going to happen. Whether joining United a couple of January... Two years ago, yeah. maybe, or a year ago, which was curious in its own right, wasn't it? I mean, that didn't make sense at the time for when me. Was, but last year, it was when they signed, um, uh, what's his name instead, the uh, so, Igalo. Yeah, yeah. They were basically trying to sign any forward who could play for them, so they they went. They, they went. The King wasn't able. They would Bournemouth refused to let him go, so they went for Igalo instead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I and um, if United were after him a year ago, you'd understand why you'd reckon he might get. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he might be a good option. Whether or not he he falls foul of the no dickheads policy, I don't know. We were talking about no dickheads on the. Thing, I think he's he's just got ambition. I suppose you could argue. Yeah. But I mean, I'd be delighted to see Josh King here. I don't think it will happen. I think Nick's going to yeah. happen as well, doesn't he? So. I've got no idea either way about what he's like. But uh, no, it's quite funny. We were talking about that, and um, Nick was saying, you know, we were almost too many nice guys, and who come up against yeah. a team of dickheads. <laughs> I did have a couple of teams in mind when he said that. Is Bulai idea, but yeah, I think it's become it's, it's past happening now. He's second or third top scorer in France, and he was linked in the summer. Um, mm, I don't really yeah. know that. I've seen bits clips of it, but I don't really know a lot about him. But he sounds like he's like the sort of player we need. You know, got pace, got strength up front. He's and he's got goals in France this summer, this season. Yeah, yeah he. I mean, he might be the best option. I think. I mean, we've we mentioned he, Ivan Toni is unlikely to link with him, and he yeah. It sounds like Enrique yeah. is going to somewhere else now. He's not on the list, it sounds like. He's, yeah. His other clubs overseas interested in him, so he's probably going overseas. Yeah, another another player obviously we would like is Ivan Tony, but that's that's not realistic. The other one I mentioned actually on the chat the other day uh, with, with the guys was um, Cordy Woodrow, who, who've, who's always been a championship jobbing kind of striker from my perception. Haven't ever really been particularly impressed with him until the last couple of years. He's really His star really has been rising. He's looking more and more accomplished and more confident in the role. He is a centre forward. He can move around a bit. He's got good movement. I think he understands positional centres good. He understands the game in that regard pretty well. He's doing really well with Barnsley. They're top half pushing for the playoffs now, um, which is uh, fantastic work for them. Um, Likeable club, I think, on the whole. So pleased to see them doing well. But there is talk that he's maybe ready to make not only a step up to a a much more um, proactive championship club, no offence to Barnsley, but, you know, a team that might be, should we say, regular playoff contenders, um, but also to um, possibly a Premier League option. And if he is, then we're the kind of club maybe in the, in the frame. Um, I wonder if he might be an option. Just one to throw out there. And the only other one to mention for me was uh, Buendia. I mean, what a player he is. He's looking so good. Yeah, he, we wouldn't be able to get him. Anyway, Norwich will sell any of their players in January. No. Yeah, I mean they're top top of the table. They're playing really well. He's he's had in goal involvement, I think, in in um, two thirds of their games this season. Got at the weekend, yeah. I mean, I don't see any way they'll sell him. Yeah, seven goals, seven assists. If and we it, get a striker, it'll be a European-based one, probably, given yeah. value and what you can get from from generally. Yeah. But I mean, who it will be? I mean, yeah, good idea. I, I know from the summer we were interested in the talk of if if that's true and if we still are 
I'd be delighted, but I think probably he's got better clubs after him now. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. I remember... I mean, um, go for the striker above him in the, champion, in the Premier in the top league in France, Mbappe. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Norwich are not going to be selling, really. They've made a, a point no. of saying that as well. Yeah, yeah. So they on that note, I think... If they're not, they're not they're, or barely did. I mean, Lewis went to Newcastle and that was about it, wasn't it? Um, so mm. they're definitely not going to sell now. They're top of the league with half of the season gone. Yeah, I think your option in France is the, is the most feasible bet if we do go for somebody now. Um, still talk of um, Edouard in Celtic because they're out of Europe and there's and they yeah. are. Whether again, I think you probably go for a bigger club generally. I mean, yeah. I, I genuinely think we'll probably end up with no one. I think probably that if we didn't go for someone in the summer, we probably won't. Having got well, but we won't go for anyone now. We'll just hope, and we won't probably won't go for replacing Potter. And we'll just go hope that we can get enough to stay up. Which yeah, I think I think is a stupid decision, but I think that's what probably they'll go for. I wonder whether with Andoni potentially coming back and apparently ahead of schedule on training, yeah. whether I mean Nick Nick was saying he's you know he he's, he's he might be um seen as a dickhead, but he's our dickhead. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I think he'd be a decent option. I just don't think he'll be fit enough until Yeah, you know, that's gonna be the issue, isn't it? Getting into training now. He won't be match fit for two months probably or something like that, because he's been out for so long. I just it's just yeah. not a, fe- a feasible option in terms of like the number of games we'll play play before. In fact, ironically, if we had a if we had a circuit break, it'd probably help him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. I wonder if um, with Zakiri sort of having a good start, if he continues to have good games, whether that also will deter them from being keen to sign someone. I think they're quite keen mm. on keeping it as it is. If mm. we can get Percy Tell back, keep Mo- and get Moda in, then they'll they'll regard that as re- as a recruitment. Yeah. Yeah, right. excellent. Well, on that note, Peter, I think we'd better round off. So um, thanks for joining me. It's just the two of us on this one. And we'll be back with another one later this week. Oh, yeah, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Um, so thanks very much. And, um, well, we look forward to the next one. Uh, it's the Cup, Newport. We've got that coming up soon. Up up for the cup, Peter. Potential banana skin, though. Potential banana skin. <laughs> <laughs> so until the next time, up the Albion. Sandal fall. Sports Social Podcast Network.